instructions. We uh, it doesn't say that, but he he uh, he he kind of must have implemented something in their minds of what to do. So we're uh, we're reading from Matthew twenty five fourteen uh, to thirty, um, and the truth about God is He gives all believers responsibility in His kingdom. I remember when I was helping out and assisting uh, Brother Olson up in Jacksonville. He told me when I preach and teach, he goes, see those people out there? They're your responsibility when you get up there. Put that image, understand that completely. When we are in a leadership role, when we are in serving in the kingdom of God, whatever, when we do and use our talents and gifts from God, we understand that they, these people that I talk to, the people at my work, the people on my friends, they're my responsibility in his kingdom. Truth for life is going to do our part to advance the kingdom of God. Unless you've been under a rock or you just don't pay attention to what I say up here, everything I try to bring out in my messages, to the most part, is about us reaching the lost. Getting out of our comfort zones here, the church, and use our talents out there to bring people in. Whether we do that or not, I'm praying that you do. I try to do it as much as I can, but I have a, I, I can do a lot better. So you may be seated. Thank you so much for a couple minutes here. We just uh, hit a plethora of different topics there. Has anybody ever jumped to conclusions? My wife doesn't at all. <laughs> I'd probably do it just the same if not... Uh, if not a little less. So imagine one day after 10, 15 years, you're in the office. Your boss is a machine. He doesn't go anywhere. He doesn't do anything. He's like just a machine. He always has everything. And then for two weeks, you see him by himself, sometimes a little sweating. He's on the phone a lot, talking to his family, his personal, talking to somebody else you really don't know. He's just, oh, my God, everybody's, you know, it's 2023. We have those in charge in charge. You start getting worried. Is there going to be cutoffs and layoffs? Oh, my God, what's going to happen? People start rumor. The rumor starts going around. People, instead of just going to him and asking what's going on, people begin to uh, come to conclusions, jump to conclusions, as I mentioned, right? He never acted this way. I've been here five years. Some people have been here 10 years. Uh, and I know things are tight, but, oh, my goodness, are we going to lose our job? And then it happens. He calls an unexpected meeting. And you can hear the sigh. Can everybody sigh? <sighs> going around the conference room as they sit in. It's like the biggest universe meeting ever in Fort Myers, Florida, and Jorge's in charge. And he sit, sips up, sits up, and he maybe drinks a little coffee and everything. He goes, after 20 years, my wife and I are going to go on an overseas vacation. And don't worry, I have everything covered. You guys don't have to do a thing. Just keep going on. The secretary has everything he needs or she needs to know. The bosses are all right. You guys just keep doing, making those widgets, doubling them up. Do everything you got to do. But we're, we're going to go away, and I just wanted to make sure you guys are set and not worried about anything. All the worry and the flurry over phone calls had been, uh, had been him firming up a vacation 
plans, especially plans to leave the country. If anybody's ever done that, you want to make sure all your ducks in a row. Who's going to watch a little puppy? Who's going to watch your house? Who's going to make sure the water is not leaking through the toilet because you didn't fix it? From company to company, corporation to corporation, even in the church, from church to church, the scene is nearly the same anywhere when a boss or a pastor goes on vacation or a business trip. And especially if they're leaving the country, like, we, whoa, what's going on? How's it going? But obviously we have leaders here and people in charge, and there's communication that are able to understand that. But some of those that might not be in that loop they could like, hey, where's brother and sister Locke? It's been three weeks. What's going on? Rumors, right? Rumors. So it's communica- communication is great. Um, in this parable of the talent, uh, the master of the home comes out of the house, and he looks for his three most loyal employees. Now, let me start by saying, yes, this is the Sunday school lesson. This is it. And sometimes we don't understand still to this day things in even the smallest and the, the most elementary lessons that we have. But we also understand Jesus, how he talked about kids and children, right? And how all, we need to sometimes have that same mind thought. I, I, I don't know if bishop or pastor just mentioned this last week about about how Jesus was uh, preaching to his disciples and there's children there and he's like we need to be like them so before you give up before you check out before you get on your Amazon shopping this morning understand that there is something you can learn about the talents I did when uh, uh, so when a master found the those he was looking at um, uh, he gave them his goods, and we, knows, uh, we know, as I said, they were talents or money. The boss lifted out five talents and handed them to his first servant. This money could make that servant very rich for many years. He could use that money to live off of for many years. The boss reached in, to get, uh, reached in again and took two talents, and he gave it to the second service a third time. He picked up the one remaining talent, still worth many years of salary, and gave it to the last servant. Jesus intentionally said, the master of the servants left immediately and left his servants holding the money in their hands. Now, the beautiful thing about here, maybe you never underpaid attention, that they did not quit, quit their jobs. They did not decide this is my chance for freedom, a break for liberty. They did not go on a spending spree. They, they knew the money was not theirs. It belonged to their boss. He earned it. He was free to do what he wanted with. And he has more than we have. All the gifts, and listen to this really closely. I know I'm, I'm kind of being a little forceful there. I apologize that it sounds a little aggressive. All the gifts that God gives now, you think of a few right now in your mind that you have. You have a gift from God. And if you don't have a gift, hopefully by the end of this message, you'll understand that that gift, that, that, that talent that you have 
is from God. And if you've had a gift that you no longer use, we're going to talk about that as well. All, all of the gifts God gives to sing, to preach, to teach, to minister, to easily make friends, to easily make money, to work with your hands, to work with our minds, they belong to God. Right? They're gifts from God. Our money belongs to God. Our bodies belong to God. Our talents belong to God. They are not yours at all. If anybody is struggling with that, if anybody is struggling that this is mine, this is what I have. I do tease my wife sometimes. I think God has given her the ability to be the best singer in the world that I know, the most musically inclined, the, without without understanding maybe the sh notes on the music, she understands the theory behind the music and all that. But on the other hand, I don't know any of that. And sometimes I tease her, Renee, I've worked like crazy just to be able to like play a note up there because they go somewhere and I'm like, whoa, okay, what? Oh, I got a little cheat sheet and all that stuff like that. So, so in other words, I can easily say, God didn't give me the ability to play the bass. I could easily say that because I worked hard, even the guitar. I learned, you know, I just took a guitar and I started playing and stuff like that. But God gave me the ability to want to play, the ability to have a, a great, uh, great, great, <laughs> ten hand, ten fingers, right? The ability, he give everything he has put in my place to be able to do that. To give me the drive. Maybe my drive is my talent from God. But I would never, ever say, you would never hear me, except maybe teasing with Renee, that God did not give me the ability to play the bass. Because he did, somehow. Brother Khan, you might mix some, some cement, put some slabs together. You might do all that stuff, right? God gave you that house that you built. God gave that. He gave that to you. Did not expect I was going to go there. Our houses, our vehicles, our clothes, our foods belong to God even before he ever gave them to us. Remember that your gifts belong to God. And the person that might not be as well off as you, their gifts belong to God. And the person who is better off than you, their gifts also belong to God. I have never understood why we would ever look down on people who have more or less than they do. We should all use these gifts for God's glory. I had a board member, board members, complain that the pastor got a sea-do. It's a water jet, a jet ski. And I, gra I was on the board, I grabbed him, I said, what, what are you talking about? Are we, are we not blessed? Here at the church, should not our pastor be blessed for things? He's not robbing us. He's not in his own money, all that stuff. Well, other people might think that's a bad thing. It's like, but it's not a bad thing. So we can't, if we project that's a bad thing, other people are going to think it's a bad thing. I know that's a very ex weird, extreme thing. But if we project on people, I was telling Sister Alexa this morning, about, I asked her about how her thing went, and she told me how it went yesterday, raising money. I, know, I said, that's great. 
I said, you know, God's all about numbers. Sometimes we don't like saying numbers. We don't want to brag that we had 130 in church and the church across town might only have 50. If we don't have numbers, we don't have people. If we don't have people, we don't have people getting the Holy Ghost. I mean, they, 5,000 were fed. 3,000 3, got the Holy Ghost. There were seven here, over here. There was four here. There was two disciples going out here. There were multitudes. God's all about numbers. It's okay. It's okay. But if we start preaching or teaching that numbers are bad, then people are going to get that. No. Why would I want to multiply my talent then if numbers are bad? We, we can't have that attitude. That's not the principle of the talent is to uh, belittle. Well, we, we know one of the principles was the opposite of that. So um, the name, uh, name Jesus slapped on these men's red servants. Um, although his message is for all humanity, Jesus only spoke to his disciples. He hinted that spending time in the master's house is not enough. We are called to invest the gifts God gave us because he expects a return on his investment. Amen. I hope you heard that before. When the dust cleared, the Bible says this. Matthew 25, 16. He that received the five talents went and traded the same and made them other five talents. The first servant seemed a little savvier than most. His boss didn't seem to mind handing him over such uh, an amount, and I'm sure he found this servant capable. So the servant traded. He probably bartered. He bought. He sold. He earned. We don't know exactly what was the address where he went to, but when the master returned, the servant would hand him over 10 talents, nearly 200 years worth of wages. What strikes me is that the servant knew what to do. Amen. The servant knew what to do with his talents. Amen. I believe our, our, our ministry team, I believe when we preach and what we're doing in, in is saying, do something with your talent for the kingdom of God. Do something. Don't just sit on your stubbornness. Get up and do something with your talent from God to build the kingdom of God, to reach the lost. The second servant was a little different. And this is all speculation here and a little humorous, but that while the stockbroker first servant might have had a smooth hands and wore expensive suits, this servant probably had calloused hands. He wore work boots. He knew what and where to plant his talents and when to do it. What he needed to do to let those uh, talents grow. Um, it was different from the first servant, but just as valuable. Although he was given less and gained, gained less, Jesus did not paint him as bitter or resentful, but as a grateful for the opportunity to invest in his master's money. The third servant most likely stood and watched his two friends run to make more money for the master. Surely he could do something to invest the master's money, but he was no risk taker. Jesus drew this servant in uh, greater detail than the first. Maybe Jesus spent more time on him because most of us identify with him. Just ordinary people doing ordinary jobs. Let me put my Roger Locke hat on for a minute. 
Abraham Lincoln said, God loves, God must love the common people because he made so many of them. Rather than uh, run into town, he walked to the shed, took out a shovel, dug a hole deep enough, and he buried that talent. He might not have gained, but he might not have lost anything either. So I've been around a little bit. I don't brag on myself. I don't do that at all, but I observe, and I observe bishop and pastor here. I've observed other pastors that I've been, other ministers, other talks, other tapes, leadership service, stuff like that. And one of the things, you guys might even not know you're doing this stuff. One of the things, it's frustrating when we see a talent that is buried. You could be doing so much. No, I can't. No, I can't. Who told you you can't? And it's hard to kind of get that back piece of broken mind or vessel or back together to, to unbury that, to get them un- to understand, no, you can use this for God. You can use it. I know in my, f- in my family, we, we had a minister that just stopped being a minister. And then God, one day God told him to go get that talent. You're a pastor, and you need to dig that talent back up because you're a pastor, you're a minister, and you've been hiding too long. And now it's time to do it. And he did. He answered God's call. It was a great thing. But it is frustrating to look and to talk to somebody. You, you ever, t- you've talked to somebody, say, hey, listen, I just want to encourage you. No, no, I, I just probably, you probably can't encourage me. It's frustrating to do that. It is frustrating and understand. And that's why it all starts with us, be able to project our talents and our Holy Ghost onto other people and let them see the light and the encouragement that we bring. So this servant thought, hey, master's going to be okay if I just gave it right back to him, right? I mean, I didn't lose it. So he did not underestimate the first servant, the master didn't, by giving him too little. He didn't overwhelm the second service servant by giving him too much. That's why he gave them differing gifts according to their different abilities they could be blessing what they could be a blessing with what they were given so do not be jealous or resentful god knows what we can handle so he will not underestimate our ability by giving us too little or overwhelm our ability by giving us too much that first thing do not be jealous or resentful that can tear apart a relationship just like that if you have the mindset of the first or the third servant that you can't do that and so what you're going to do is withhold your talent from everybody else because you're jealous or because you don't think you have the ability to do that it of course is detrimental to those around you but it also in the end is detrimental to yourself. It may be honesty, it may be humility, it may be a little bit of both, both, but the few of us here would probably profess that we are not a five-talent servant. Most of us probably say, nah, we're probably not. Those are the people who can crochet, ride a unicycle, play the kazoo, drop a transmission, and make a key lime pie 
that your lips would pucker over. They are what we call gifted. More of us would probably say that maybe we're a two-talent servant. God has given us a few talents. And once again, I've been around for a little while, and I've seen probably a lot more people have multiple talents. Uh, you want me to call out names? in people that you might not know, but yes, you do have a couple talents and you could be used for God. But yet there are some of us that have one talent. I am not a risk taker. Why? You're so outgoing, you're doing all that stuff. No, I'm a consistent kind of guy. I even taught my kids, if you want to be good and successful in the work field, be consistent at your jobs. Don't be bouncing around to 15 different jobs in one year. Stay consistent. And, of course, I did that. Now, there's always a bad side to that. You don't take risk. You don't, especially if you want, like, I'm, retirement's coming up. Have I done any risk? I need to start, you know, moving stuff around or doing something like that. That's a, a risk taker. So it, you can say I have buried that talent. All I had to work with was consistency. I'm talking in, in, the, in the world you know, in my job. So there are one talent servants around. James was right when he said, every good gift and perfect gift is one where above and cometh down from the father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. James summed up the principle of this parable. Every gift we have comes from God and should be used to glorify God and to bless his kingdom. If God gave you the gift to work on vehicles, wanna, you know, you could help provide a service to the people in the church who cannot afford a routine maintenance. Somehow get a flyer, present it to pastor. Or just come down here, present it out on the board. I don't think anybody argue, hey, you're going to do something free. All you got to do is say, hey, bring your oil filter and your air filter and, and some oil and meet me down here. I got the lift. Do, if you can do something like that. If God gave you the gift of cook, how about for special occasions or fellowships, you could cook. Perhaps God gave you the gift of creativity. Invest that in your church's website or social media or print promotions. If you look up here in our, our presentations here and you do this for work and you say, man, that is the most amazing thing I've ever seen. Go to whoever's doing that and say, man, you're doing a great job. Awesome. Now, here's the tough thing. If you look up and you say, I could probably do a little bit better, but you know, I'm just going to sit down and say nothing. So there's a couple things. The, the leadership hasn't, the leadership hasn't, if, if you go back and they get offended or whoever does the media, even uh, I think Sister Kayleen, Kayleen does some, some creative stuff and social stuff, then we, we haven't done a good job on their humility and stuff like that. But but they should. They'll, they will like, wow, awesome. Give me some stuff to do. Give me some stuff. Show me some stuff. Would you like to be part of this team? Whatever that talent it is. Amen? All right. I, I believe that with all my heart. I believe if, if we can do that together, if we will grow. We will sink, as Bishop has said. We will sink together, not only in our prayer and our together and our worship but we will we will sink together even out of these out of this building 
with outreach because remember that's that's what it's all about outside these doors we get fuel we get the holy ghost we get great worship we get prayer time even in here but even the prayer time is not not for in here only it's we need to be praying and being uh communication and talking to god out there so anyways it gels us together here i just went just flipped my subject there um uh, the master was away. He came back. He pulled up in his nice limousine. Not in the Bible, just to make sure everybody knew that. Parked between the pillars uh, down in Naples, and the servants came up to greet their boss. First was probably smiling, probably joy. I mean, the, the, the master probably put his hand on his shoulder and said, Hey, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'm going to make you ruler over many. Enter into the joy of the Lord. The second servant stepped up and and just like the other servant, the first, uh, uh, first servant, the master told him the same. Master did not scold the second service, uh, servant, as I mentioned before. Well, you only made two talents with the two that I gave you. So, yeah, no. He said, well done, thou good and faithful servant. When the Lord returns, he will not ask you why you did not preach on Sundays. If he did not give you the gift to preach on Sunday. And he certainly not will not ask you why you did not fix a car if you can't start a leaf blower. <laughs> we find abundant joy when we use the gifts of God. That he gave the gifts that God gave us to glorify him and to make disciples for him. Our third friend trusted in himself and himself alone because he had nothing to bless his boss when he came back. And because he buried his talent, he left it. He sat in a church pew, not really, but, you know, on his hands. He sat on his stubbornness. And that's a tricky thing that can come into a church, our stubbornness. I've done this for so long, and I'm not going to do anything else. I've done this. I worked in the, uh, this other church's ministry for so long, and I'm going to come here, and I'm not going to do anything else. Even though I have the ability, I have a talent, but I'm just going to sit on the talent. Nobody wants my talent. Oh, we're actually going to get in that in a minute. Matthew 25, 24 and 25, the Lord, I knew thee that thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown and gathering where thou hast not strawed, even though he just saw him bless the other servants. And I was afraid and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast that is thine. Then the master acted in a way that we would consider unfair. He commanded, take that one talent. And give it to the guy that has five or ten talents, the one that doubled his five. Before we have, before we have a chance to ask why Jesus did this, he gave us the because. Matthew 25, verses 29 and 30. For unto everyone that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance. But from them that hath not shall be taken away, even that which he hath. And cast ye an unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. 
you, you, you ever see those little toys that are like this and then you just expand them? There's a plastic thing. You can take this and you can expand this. We don't have time at all into just a, a, star, a, a star system, if you will, of talents that are hidden in this world that God gave people and just bring them out and you could see them. That's how many in the world. Now, it's very easy for me to, to point to the world and say, see, guys, you're that one servant that has that one talent, and you're hiding it. You're, use, you're not using your talent for God. And those are the people that know about God, that knew about God, that maybe have backslid, that maybe have just decided they never want to do anything. They just want to do their own thing and, and gratify their own selves. But when you start expanding it out, and you see all this world stuff. You see all this, all these little spots in the world. Then you start seeing church people in that thing as well, too. You start seeing people from the church that are doing that. And so Jesus is telling us, you do not want to be like this unfaithful servant. You do not want to do that. He gave us the Holy Ghost to be a witness, to go out and multiply our talents. He gave us that. If we are not doing that, if we are not going outside this church building, okay, if we are not trying to witness and talk to people that it, it seems small, but when you expand that ball and you see all the gifts that are being wasted, not especially in the world, but also in the church, then you have an understanding about why Jesus would talk this way or, uh, um, and have the parable about the master. It sounds cruel. It doesn't sound fair. The ten-talent uh, servant had enough. Why would, why would he give him the one that the one-talent servant had? Jesus was letting, was letting us know, excuse me, what matters to him. And I probably could have, I said all that to say this. It's not, he was trying to tell us, it's not what we have or how much we have. It's what we do with what we have. Is it for yourself? Here? I'm preaching up here for myself. I'm playing the drums. I'm music. I'm playing the piano. I'm doing that. Is it, is it all this? I'm here. I'm always, I'm here. I'm always here. 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 Or is it about multiplying our talents out there in a second i'm, I'm going to get into here too we can do the same thing here uh, i'm not i'm not saying you can't have talents and multiply you can i say what what are we doing with our talent are we keeping it inside these doors according to god inside these four walls is not the most important thing it's not. When we have guests come in, we want an environment of worship and praise. And uh, I heard Brother Bruce mention something yesterday. I was just walking by about music, the affecting. The, we want them to love uh, the, the spirit that's here. And it just, it, it's, it's, we want that. We need that. We, we want to, when they invite here. But we can't live for that. 
We can't live for that feeling that, oh, God just did a wonderful, great, oh, let's go home. Let's bury our talent. When we, like, let's not bury our talent in the church building. Let's bring it out there. If God gave you only one talent, he doesn't expect you to bring back five. He expects you to take that one talent he gave you and invest it into the glor glory and to glorify him and to bless his kingdom with that one talent. And I know God's math is not like our math. He is going to bless you with that talent. Why did the talent not multiply? Because it was buried. God doesn't want, God wants us to take it out there, and I believe it will multiply. If he gave you two talents, he expects you to use both of them for his glory, to bless the kingdom of God. If he gave you five talents, be thankful for those talents to point people to Jesus and not just to you. Jesus said in Luke 12, to who, <clears throat> who much is given, much is required. Use those gifts to bring glory to God. There's a great joy in glorifying God and using his gifts to make us disciples. Let's stand this morning. I just have another page. Think carefully about the gifts God has given to you. I don't know if you guys ever jot anything down or in your brain when you go home. Today, think about the talent God has given to you. Are you using that talent in apostolic praise tabernacle, the sanctuary, the church, or out? Are you using that talent? Think about the skills you have, the things you love to do and are able to do. These skills do not have to be pulpit or even platform gifts. They can be baking, building, cleaning, repairing, typing, knitting, designing, writing. Think about your God-given gifts and invest them into the kingdom. If God uses you at work, how can you use that gift to glorify God and bless his kingdom at church? What can you do there? What can you do? I'm a computer guy. I love helping people in the church with computers. I will drive across town and help you. I have no problem doing that. I can't repair your car, though. Can't do it. Unless you want the oil change, maybe I could do that. But you got to bring the water for me to drink because I might pass out. There's also the issue, and this is very serious. There is also the issue where leaders do not ask people to use their talents that God has given to them, both at work and for the church as well. And I'm not sure why this happens. It could be because they don't want to trouble or impose or belittle somebody. Maybe I don't want to go over there and ask that person, have you ever played the bass? Or maybe I do because I'm, I'm looking for that. Uh, it's why uh, they could be, uh, they don't want to impose, they don't want to hurt somebody's feelings. You know, uh, have you ever asked somebody, do you play the piano? So you get a couple responses like that, like, no. No, no, we're not, we're not saying anything's bad with that. Do you play another musical instrument? Do you, whatever you do. You know, when, you know, when we bring people to the church the first time, we ask things to do that. It's okay to do that. 
uh, there's other things too, and this is a very seriously serious thing, very serious, that we are doing just fine the way we are. And we don't need others involved with us. Do you remember Bishop? He put down like a bunch of chairs down here. And he was, he, he was, he was, you were like, all, all you guys that are over like a little area in there. Basic, I can't remember the exact words, brother, but multiply yourselves. Multiply yourselves. Are you still sitting in that chair or by yourself alone? Or is there somebody next to you? Or maybe somebody, has somebody taken that place? Have you developed your ministry where you could let go to do that? That is a perfect definition of multiplying your talent in the kingdom of God. It is perfect. If you're a leader here this morning and you think we have enough preachers or ushers or singers or musicians and we're not constantly looking for others to help, enough cleaning people, enough uh, maintenance, enough lawn people, if you are not constantly looking for others to help you, then you are not understanding completely the parable about multiplying your talent. Going out to do that. What are you doing with what God has given you? If you are here this morning and maybe you're not a leader, take the same principle and use your talent to gift or gift to reach others. I don't preach. I don't play the music, uh, instrument. I don't, I don't play, I don't sing. But, you know, I do this. I wonder if anybody else in the church does that too. Let me start asking people. What are we doing with what God has given us? Ask yourself, what are you doing with God's gift that he gives you? God is not impressed if you can fill out an entire sheet of paper with all the talents you have but aren't using them. From what we have learned from this parable, he is more interested in how we are using those selected gifts on that paper that we write out. You know, if imaginary paper, of course. The few gifts. How are we using those? I'm tired. I used them a long time ago. I don't need to use them anymore. I've done this so much, I don't need to do it anymore. It doesn't say how long the one servant was doing the same thing over and over again, but he decided not to do anything else. And you may find yourself checking no more times than yes. This lesson may be a, the spirit calling you to dig up that gift God gave you and invest it somewhere to glorify God and to grow his kingdom. Amen. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Lord, we love you and worship. I mean, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God.